Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis long the church has allowed the enemy to go unchallenged in america i'm telling you for too long we've allowed demons to be comfortable come on share this in our churches for too long we've been sitting by idly preaching people to people that live in prison for too long we've allowed jezebel to infiltrate the pulpit and preach the prophets to sleep for too long we have neglected and spoke bad about the ministry of deliverance that jesus called every am i preaching every believer too for too long we have medicated we had counseled and we have comforted unclean spirits instead of cast them out for too long pastors have slept while the enemy makes war in our camps one of the things the the lord began to speak to me while i was at fresh start preaching to pastors from 30 different states was that God says I'm getting ready in this season I need you to hear me tonight I'm getting ready to set fire on the enemy's camp I'm telling you right now the fire of God is beginning to be released on the enemy's camp in our nation God says I'm getting ready I feel the Holy Ghost I might start jumping tonight but God says I'm getting ready to bring mass confusion on the kingdom of darkness I believe that God is training up special forces believers that are going to pound down the gates of hell jesus said i'm trying to build a church that the gates of hell will will not stand a chance against friend i'm telling you the true church of jesus christ the enemy does not stand a chance against the church of jesus christ god wants to use you in these last days as a battering ram against the gates of hell i'm telling you our god this is what i love about our god and i could preach an hour on this our god takes the most unlikely and the most unordinary unorthodox people and trains them up to be battering rams against the forces of hell friend God wants to actively use you in his army so that you could bring opposition on the kingdom of darkness Isaiah should we be out looking for demons I don't know what did Jesus say Did Jesus say sit around and wait for demons to come to you or did Jesus give the, the disciples authority over unclean spirits the bible says and he sent them out to cast out demons jesus sent them out to drive out demons i believe we're in a season where the kingdoms are colliding when the kingdom of god and the kingdom of darkness collide i said it on tuesday it's like a mack truck going head on the on the freeway with a smart car the kingdom of god always wins friend i want to tell you this as we begin this and this is something that has to be in and i'm fired up tonight guys i'm telling you i'm freaking out right now this is something Something that has to be on the forefront of your mind this is something that has to be essential in deliverance and teaching and preaching on it this is something that has to be the backbone in the deliverance ministry you will not be successful if you don't understand this and that is come on share this we are on the winning side that we have victory over the kingdom of darkness Jesus has given you power the Bible says to rule and reign with Christ Jesus said the same power and the same authority I have I now give to you as the father sent me so I send you in other words Jesus was saying what the father sent me on earth to do I know I now send you to do when I was in the world now be what I was in the world to the world so whatever Jesus was if I was healing Jesus said you need to be healing if I was deliverance Jesus said you need to be deliverance if I was breakthrough Jesus says you need to be breakthrough if Jesus came to the earth and was restoration then we are 
called as the body of Christ to be restoration. You've been given the ministry of reconciling people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This is your mantle. This is your mandate. Who is going to help this world? This is a question I've been asking. I've been wrestling with. I've been praying about. If the church does not rise up, come on, we just broke 600 viewers. Let's keep it going. If the church does not rise up, who is going to? I don't understand why we're waiting around as the body of Christ thinking somebody else is going to come set the world free. Nobody is going to come deliver your family. Nobody is going to come and deliver your friends and deliver your community. If you are listening to this right now, you've been anointed, you've been called, and you've been assigned to bring deliverance to the people around you. It's not my calling. It's not my anointing. It's your anointing. I'm telling you, even Jesus in all his power and all his authority knew that he was unable to have to help everybody. And so Jesus gave three main commissions. The first commission was when he told the 12 disciples to go cast out demons and to heal diseases. The Bible says that Jesus first called the 12 and gave them authority over demons and sickness. Now, before he gave them authority over sickness, the Bible says that he gave them authority over demons because oftentimes, yes, you might've guessed it, sickness is demonic. And so Jesus says, listen, guys, I got way too many people trying to email me to get deliverance. I got way too many people posting on Instagram, uh, messaging me on Instagram. Jesus goes, I got way too many people. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to read. I'm trying to spend time with my family, Jesus says, and I'm overwhelmed by the amount of people that need deliverance. And because Jesus was only in one place at one time while he was on the earth, he says, I can't do everything. And so I'm going to send the 12 to cast out demons. Matthew 10, and I want you to listen loud and clear, all of you that say Christians can't be demonized, Christians, believers can't be demonized. This is for the world. I want you to listen very closely here because in Matthew 10, he tells them, do not go to the Gentiles and do not go to the Samaritans. Do not go to the world to do deliverance. This is Jesus in Matthew 10. He says, but I want you to go do deliverance on God's lost sheep of Israel. I want you to preach to them. I want you to heal the sick. Come on, can I get a running emoji, a flame emoji in the chat? I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. Where are we going to do this at? To God's chosen people. They desperately need this. They desperately need breakthrough. They desperately need healing. They desperately need deliverance. Jesus did not send them to the world. He sent them to the church. There are so many lost people right now in the church. Today we have flipped it and we say we're fine and the world needs it. And Jesus says, you're not fine. You're the ones that need breakthrough. You're the ones that need deliverance. There are so many right now in the church that are lost. There are so many right now in the church that are unsaved. There are so many unbelieving Christians in America. I'm telling you, who will go to these believers? This has been our mandate for our ministry for the last 10 years was to wake up the church. Come on, somebody help me preach tonight. I'm telling you, the church is a sleeping giant and God is saying church, pastors, leaders, evangelists, apostles, prophets, whatever degree you have, whatever title you have, the Lord is saying it is time to wake up. It is time to take this mantle, this anointing of deliverance, of revival, and to go into all the world and begin to bring this to the world. So that was the first commission was the 12 disciples. The second commission was in Luke 10 and the Bible says Jesus sent out the 72. So now Jesus broadens the commission says, okay, we need more than 12 people. 12 people is not going to be enough to bring deliverance and healing to all the people in the area, all the cities and all the villages the Bible talks about. He says, so I'm going to appoint 72 more. So now he broadens the commission and the Bible says the 72 
72 came back and their response was not wow miracles broke out their response was not wow people received us their response was not wow Jesus we had revival meetings here was the response after the 72 came back the response was even the demons listened to us deliverance is essential in the call of God to those that he has appointed God has anointed and appointed you to do deliverance you have power over every demonic force over every demonic assignment we need people to go out and to do this and to be commissioned so jesus says okay i've called the set to 12 it's not enough i've called the 72 it's not enough and so he broadens it a third time and he says i'm going to change it in mark 16 17 you guys know where i'm going he said i'm going to change it to where no longer will it be the 12 that have been specially anointed no longer will it be the 72 that have been specially anointed but now every single believer yes every single believer is going to cast out demons if they believe understand that order is important in mark 16 the very first sign in the new testament of a believer is that they will cast out demons jesus specifically puts that first he says the first thing a believer will do is to cast out demons and destroy the works of the devil so you have to understand there's no accident in deliverance god didn't accidentally put Believers are going to cast out demons first. No, he said that's the first thing you should do before you should try pray healing, before you should try to counsel them. You should drive demons out. He put it first on on purpose. So the question then has to be, who is qualified and who is called to the ministry of deliverance? Who are the special type of people that God has anointed? Is it a gifting? Is it an office? Isaiah, who is it according to Jesus? Remember tonight is all about according to Jesus and, and the deliverance ministry. And here's the answer in Mark 16. Every single believer, every believer, there's 750 of you watching. Most of you are believers and you're listening and you're saying, Isaiah, I just don't know if I'm called to do deliverance. You might not know, but I know that the Bible says that every single believer, you cannot worm your way out of this. You cannot inch your way out of this. You cannot squirm your way out of this. You cannot skip on the broad road out of this. God has anointed you and called you and mandated you. This is why we're training all of you. This is why we're not doing special training. This is why we're not doing, I'm sorry, special conferences where we're going to charge you and all this. And praise God for the guys that do that. I'm not calling anybody out but I'm telling you the reason why the last 15 teachings we've done on deliverance that I named earlier are on our YouTube channel for free is because this is the call for every single believer God is anointing you God has called you if you're listening to me if you're reading the chat then you've been anointed and you've been called now why did Jesus broaden it to all believers it's very simple because Jesus was only able to be in one place at one time and could not bring deliverance to all the people that needed deliverance we can't help everybody I have hundreds of messages asking for deliverance probably over a thousand in the last month asking for deliverance and it's impossible how could one person do a thousand deliverances it's completely impossible and then guess what next month i'll have another thousand requests it's not possible and so what are we called to do if i can't do deliverance on everybody yes there's strategies there's networks we're going to do but this is why we're training and equipping you so that you can come off of the sidelines and get on the front lines jesus's ministry and i want you guys to pay very close attention here don't start taking notes don't worry yet i'm going to give you a bunch of points a bunch of stuff to write down 
But you need to understand that Jesus's ministry started with him immediately confronting the devil. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, descended on him in Luke. I'm sorry, in Matthew 3. And the Bible says immediately after Jesus was anointed, the dove lands on Jesus. The Bible says, and the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. For what reason? Why did the Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? I'm not going to re-preach anything I've already preached, but it's very simple. The Spirit led Jesus in the wilderness for a direct confrontation with the devil. That is why the spirit led him. The spirit led him there to confront the devil. Why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into a direct confrontation with the devil? Because this was the very, oh, I feel like running around this office tonight. This was the very reason that Jesus came was to destroy the works of darkness. First John 3, 8, and the son of man was manifested on the earth that he might destroy the works of darkness. Jesus in Matthew 3, the dove comes down, a voice out of heaven says, this is my beloved son. And then all of a sudden, the spirit of God leads Jesus into the wilderness to confront the devil. Jesus did not shy away. Okay, write this down. Jesus did not shy away from confronting the demonic and neither should we. It is unbiblical as believers for us to shy away from confronting the demonic powers. We have too much conversation in the church. Write this down and not enough confrontation. You cannot bring what you won't confront. We have way too many people talking about it and not enough people confronting it. Every Sunday we talk about the devil. Oh, that lying devil. Oh, that devil gave me a flat tire. Oh, that devil turned my laptop off last night when I was trying to watch the ninth season of The Office. Oh, that devil just made my hair get messed up. Oh, that devil robbed me my bank account and I lost the promotion. And we're just always giving the devil glory and we're always conversating about the devil and having conversations about the devil. And Jesus says, I'm not here to have conversation. I'm here to have confrontation. And he starts out his ministry with direct, I'm clapping too much. I probably shouldn't clap in the mic with direct confrontation with the devil. And the church is trying to conceal darkness rather than confront darkness. It's time to stop concealing darkness and and start confronting darkness. Don't talk about that, brother. Oh, don't get up in my church and start talking about generational curses. Don't get up in here and start trying to talk about Jezebel and talking about Ahab. Don't get up in here and start trying to talk about uh, slithering like a snake and talk about manifestations and talk about Christians being demonized. And we don't believe that here in my church. Yeah, that's why your church people live in prolonged bondage. That's why your church, you've gone through nine church splits. That's why your church, nobody gets delivered. Nobody gets free. Nobody gets healed. And the spirit of God is outside the church, raising up atheists and drug addicts because at your church, you don't believe and preach the entire Bible. I'm telling you, God is saying it's time for us to start talking about this and talking about that. Jesus was not afraid of confronting the devil. Why are you partnering with darkness, pastor, continuing to cover up what God wants to expose? We cannot break it until we expose it. Friend, let me tell you, the best thing, we're definitely going over an hour tonight. I'm just going to warn you here, okay? Because we're still in the intro. The best thing that God can ever do to somebody that's in secret sin is expose them. The moment God exposes your compromise and exposes your sin, the power of darkness gets broken. Friend, do you know that when demons reveal their name to you in deliverance, they begin to lose power? Because when they reveal and when they expose their function and their name, they start losing power. When Legion told Jesus, I am Legion, Legion lost power because demons have power when they're hidden and when they're in darkness and when they're brought to the light and exposed, they begin to lose their power. I want to tell you, pastors, stop stopping deliverances. Stop 
Stop stopping deliverances. Stop stopping the move of God. Stop hindering the power of God in service. God right now is exposing demonic strategies. God right now, I'm telling you, I'm grateful. Listen, I'm grateful he's using me to do it. I don't know how much longer I'll be doing it. Maybe it'll be, it depends how much y'all pray. Maybe it'll be for another week. Maybe it'll be for another year. I don't know how long God will have me do this, but I'm telling you, I probably, I, I'm, I'm thankful and I'm grateful that God has anointed me and that God has called me to do that. Few Christians, now I want you to understand this, very few believers in America would even consider Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost would even consider that it is the plan of God to put you in direct confrontation with the demonic realm. Remember, it wasn't the demon that brought Jesus into the wilderness to deal with the demonic at the start of his ministry. It was the spirit that brought Jesus into confrontation. So that tells me the Holy Spirit will bring you into situations where you need to confront the demonic realm. Jesus's ministry. Now I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, although we can because we're Christians, we're followers of Jesus and he lives on the inside of us. Jesus's ministry starts with him confronting demonic. Our ministry literally started with us confronting demonic powers days after being saved. Before I saw a miracle, before I saw somebody get saved, I had a lady come in our living room and start manifesting a demon, got over 20 demons cast out of her. And that was days after being saved. I oftentimes, if you're new, you may have heard me say this. If you're not new, I tell people December 30, first of 2010 listen to what i'm saying here i was at a beer pong tournament december 31st 2010 i was at a beer pong tournament and january 15th of 2011 that's 15 days later i was casting out demons in my living room my ministry started three days after being saved confronting demonic powers it is incredibly healthy and powerful when we confront demonic powers. It's, it's healthy to understand that kingdoms are at war. Your life will not feel so random if you understand there's kingdoms at war. The reason why some of you feel like your life is so random, like you get hit from left, you get hit from right, and you don't know what's going on, and you're always in a tailspin is because you don't understand the type of church Jesus built. Jesus did not build a calm coffee shop, donut, latte, cappuccino church. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I'm going to build a militant church in nature where the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus is telling us I'm building an army type of church. So every person that claims to be a believer has been called to attack hell's gates. According to Jesus, you've been anointed and called to attack the gates of hell. Satan, the Bible says, use three main strategies. We're not going to get into all these in detail because I got too much to cover in the, in the wilderness when he tempted Jesus. He tempted, accused, and he deceived. Those are the three main strategies. Anytime you're being tempted, anytime you're being accused, or anytime you're being deceived, those are always works of the demonic. After 40 days of fasting, Jesus being extremely hungry, the enemy brought temptation to the flesh. The devil used the same garden, the same tactic in the garden when he tried to make Adam and Eve question their identity. He tried to make Jesus question his identity. He said, if you are the son of God, Jesus, remember, had just come out of baptism where the, the father literally said that this is my beloved son whom I well please. And now literally right after that, the devil comes and tries to make Jesus question his identity. Je Satan tried to get Jesus to doubt what God said about him. Believe me, demons are always going to try to get you to doubt what God said about you. They're going to come and say, are you sure?
sure God's called you? Are you sure God has anointed you to do deliverance? Are you sure God's called you to step out? And they begin to accuse you. Well, you can't do deliverance because you're not perfect enough. Well, you can't do deliverance because there's still compromise in your life. And the enemy comes, he tempts, he accuses, and he brings deception. You have to understand that you don't escape temptation. You do not escape it by getting rid of a laptop, getting rid of a cell phone, or by getting rid of your old connections number. You overcome temptation with the sword of the spirit, and that is the word of God. You'll never defeat the devil if you don't know scripture. Some of you want so badly to defeat the enemy and to get trained up in deliverance, but you have to understand the only way that you'll ever do it is by knowing the word of God and taking up the sword of the spirit. Jesus overcame the enemy with the sword of the spirit. The second main temptation he came with was to jump off the pinnacle of the temple. He told Jesus and quoted the Bible, angels will take charge of you. It was a verse that was taken out of context. Literally, the devil was twisting scripture so that Jesus could live a reckless life. And I'm telling you to this very day that devil is using the Bible, twisting it to get us to think that we can live a reckless life. And Jesus responded again with the word of God. The third temptation he offered was the kingdoms of this world. Now, this was not natural kingdoms. This was spiritual kingdoms. Understand that when Jesus went to the cross, he was going to dethrone the devil and all of his power. And the devil basically, and I'm going to give you in a nutshell, because this is not my message tonight. The devil was trying to offer Jesus the cross without actually going to the cross. He was trying to offer Jesus another way outside of crucifixion. And I'm telling you, there is no other way to follow Jesus outside of laying your life down, outside of crucifixion. We are preaching in America a demonic gospel because it is a crossless gospel. It is a gospel that says you don't have to die. You don't have to be crucified. You don't have to sacrifice. You don't have to lay down your life. And it's the easy way. Let me tell you, if your pastor is preaching an easy gospel, then it is the devil's gospel. If we are preaching the easy way, it is the devil's way. What did Jesus say? He said the narrow road is the easy road. If we're preaching a gospel where, oh, just come to the altar, brother, and close your eyes, make sure nobody sees you, and just pray a little prayer, come to church on Sunday, worship Jesus for an hour, give your 10%, and then live for the, the culture live with the tentacles of Babylon and Jezebel wrapped around you all week. That is a false gospel and you are listening to a doctrine of demons over and over and over. Paul would say, I'm afraid you're following a different spirit. I'm afraid men have come in and twisted the gospel and made it something it's not. He said, let a curse fall upon anybody, even if it's an angel that preaches another gospel. Friend, you have to understand that there is a shortcut, microwaved, easy gospel that is being preached right now and you have to understand it is a demonic gospel gospel. We are preaching a gospel that says, if you ignore the devil, he'll leave you alone. That's not what the Bible says. Some of you need to verbally speak out against the enemy. The sword of the spirit is wielded by our speech. I want you to write that down. The sword of the spirit is wielded by our speech. Jesus fought the devil off. It wasn't some mystical, magical thing by speaking the word of God to the devil. That's how he fought the devil himself. So you have to understand that we need to verbally speak. Friend, I want to tell you a great way to break out of temptation when you're being tempted like Jesus was tempted 
you begin to verbally speak against the temptation. You begin to verbally speak to those demonic powers. If you've been in our Monday night call-ins, I've been telling people over and over and over again, go into your room, go into your situation and speak out loud. Well, I just been praying it in my head. I didn't say pray it in your head. I say, speak it out loud. When the devil came to Jesus, Jesus didn't pray in his head. Jesus verbally spoke. The sword of the spirit is yielded by our speech is will. I'm sorry, is wielded by our speech. So the way that we wield the sword is by speaking out against temptation. Anytime the tempter comes, because the Bible says he will come to everybody, you need to verbally stop with the whole, I'm just praying in my head. Let me tell you why a lot of you, and let me just go on a sidetrack here. A lot of your friends and family and community and neighbors and, and coworkers are not getting deliverance and breakthrough because every time they come up to you for prayer, you say, oh, don't worry, I'm praying for you. In other words, I'm gonna pray for you in my head. I'm not gonna step out and call things out because that would make me uncomfortable. Jesus did not pray in his head against the devil, okay? If you pray in your head, praise the Lord. I know God can hear your prayers, but the Bible says the power is not in praying in your head. The power is in your tongue. That's where the power is at, is in your tongue. Your tongue is the sword. And so you need to begin to speak things out loud. I'm gonna to talk to you later about the, the intricacy of talking to demons. I'm also gonna talk about how Jesus didn't just tell demons to leave and demons left, but he spoke it over and over and over. I'm telling you, this is groundbreaking stuff. We're gonna share this just in a minute. Do not get off here. So some of you need to verbally speak it. Now there's, there's popular doctrine I've heard it preached by friends of mine that say, if you ignore the devil, he'll flee from you. That's not right. That's completely wrong teaching. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. People preach it saying, oh, leave him alone. He'll leave you alone. Wrong. If you leave the devil alone, I want you to turn me up here, okay? If you leave the devil alone, he will dictate every action of your life. He will dictate the direction of your life. You just won't know about it. We must not ignore the devil. I want you to hear me but aggressively resist him and drive him away. When the Bible says, now I know a lot of people try to argue with me, you shouldn't be teaching on the demonic so much and you shouldn't be talking about spiritual warfare. The Bible says, if you resist the devil, he'll flee. And so that's what they use to, to preach their way out of the Great Commission. To, they literally preach their way out of doing what God has called them to do. A bunch of baby Christians that want to justify the fact that they have a pacifier in your mouth. Friend, do you know pacifiers are for babies that are not hungry but want to still feel like they're eating? And that's a whole, whole nother sermon. So you have to understand... When the Bible says to resist the devil, resist the devil, not ignore the devil, resist the devil. To resist is not a passive word. It literally means if someone's trying to grab you and hang on to you and wrestle with you, you keep pushing them away. To resist the devil is an action verb. It means the devil's attacking and I'm pushing him. The devil's attacking and I'm pushing him. Demons are attacking and I'm pushing them off of me. I'm aggressive. I'm violent. Paul said, I'm not a shadow boxer. I'm not just randomly on here tonight, just, you know, swinging away, trying to hope I hit a target. He says, no, I have a battle strategy and I'm being aggressive against the kingdom of darkness. Now, the Bible says when Jesus started his ministry, he began to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Mark 1, this is the oldest gospel, the first gospel written. Mark 1 says, and reports went out and they brought to Jesus all that were sick and tormented and influenced by devils. So the gospel of the kingdom, which includes healing and deliverance, makes people manifest. People do, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. We might just go two hours tonight, two hours special. People do not manifest when we preach an American gospel. People do not manifest 
us when we preach a partial gospel. Isaiah, why does nobody manifest in my church? Because your pastor is probably not preaching the gospel of the kingdom. If you go read your Bible, when you study the ministry of Jesus, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. This is why people begin to manifest. It's interesting to me that the very first thing that happens in his ministry is people begin to manifest when he starts preaching in the churches. People manifest when the gospel of kingdom is preached with power and authority. People always say, Isaiah, every time you come to our church, everyone starts yelling out demons. I had one pastor say, when you were preaching, the guy bit another guy and the guy bit another guy. People were biting each other and they were manifesting demons because we're not preaching the gospel of salvation. We are preaching the gospel of the kingdom, which the gospel of salvation is in the gospel of the kingdom. But the gospel of the kingdom is the full counsel of God. It's the full message. And it's what Jesus preached. The good news and this is what the good news is for some of you that know is that Jesus has come to bring healing and deliverance to your entire being. Jesus did not just come so that one day you would die in a car accident and you'd float up to heaven. That's not why Jesus came to the earth to die. Jesus came and delivered. Yes, the spirit man has been delivered from death by the quickening power of the spirit. Uh, but you have to understand the body and the, your personality are being made whole through healing and deliverance. So at the cross, your spirit man was delivered from death by the quickening power of the Holy Spirit, but your body and personality are now being made whole through healing and deliverance. Isaiah, that's not true. It is true. That is why when you got saved, you still had cancer after, maybe. Okay, some of you didn't. Maybe you got healed. That's why after you got saved, you still had migraines. After you got saved, you still had diabetes. You got saved and you still had dirty thoughts. Why is that? Because your spirit was quickened by the Holy Spirit, but your body, your personality, your soul is being renewed, is being redeemed. And that is the quickening power of the spirit healing and deliverance are companion ministries they work together and jesus often worked now I'm, I'm giving you gospels only tonight we're only studying jesus tonight jesus often worked in both healing and deliverance they worked together everywhere he went if it was necessary for him to do both why do you think it's not necessary for you to do both if jesus did healings and deliverances why do you think that you're somehow better than Jesus and that we don't no longer need deliverance or need healing in the church when Jesus felt it was necessary to do both? If Jesus felt it was necessary, then it is necessary. Okay, here's what I want to do. I'm going to go quick, so I'm going to give you points so that you can write them down, and then I'm just going to run. And so please, please, please write these down tonight. As I said, we're 30 minutes in. Okay, you might as well just call your Domino's Pizza. Some of you are like, I was going to start cooking dinner in 30 minutes. Okay, cancel all your dinner plans. Get your DoorDash. Call your DoorDash. Call your Wingstop. Call your Domino's. Get your pizza delivered. You better, You might as well just start dialing now because we're not going to go. We're going to go longer than 30 minutes, and we're already, we're already 49 minutes in. So you might as well just go ahead right now honey and just get your delivery tell your husband get the phone out we're getting delivery i know you wanted me to cook those homemade enchiladas you wanted me to cook that homemade pasta but we're not doing that because we need to learn this we need these secrets we need these revelations we need to get equipped we need to get called and so we're gonna have to hit up dominoes tonight because this is more important than the movie oh we were supposed to watch a movie as a family in an hour okay get your family and listen because this is more important than dominoes or your family movie or the the office that you've already seen a hundred times i'm gonna give you these are what god has revealed to me 
Seven secrets to Jesus's deliverance ministry. Seven secrets to Jesus's deliverance ministry. Number one. Now, if you guys listen, if you guys want, I could be done in 20 minutes and I could save this for the next three live streams and I won't have to study for three weeks. If you guys want to do that, we can do that. But if you say, you know what, we're going to keep sharing it. We're going to keep sewing. We're going to keep being a part and we're going to be in the chat. And then, then I'll just keep preaching. As long as y'all stay on the number step, I'm just going to keep preaching. Let me give you seven secrets. And this is where you can write things down. I know every week you say, Isaiah, please give us points so that we can write them down. If you don't give us points, it's too sporadic. We can't write them down. Everyone's saying, okay, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go. Don't stop. Okay, seven secrets to Jesus's deliverance ministry. Number one, write this down. Jesus's ministry, his ministry, not his deliverance ministry. Jesus's ministry, and I'll give you all seven at the end as well, begins with him casting out demons. How did Jesus, the son of God, start his ministry? Did he start with healing? He started with deliverance. The Bible says this, that he began to preach in the synagogue and people marveled at his spiritual authority. Jesus had authority when he preached. He wasn't some dull, powerless, watered down, weak preacher. I know some people think Jesus was monotone. Jesus was not monotone. When Jesus told the prophets to preach a message, Jesus said, I want you to shout this message to Israel. Isaiah is shouting biblical. Yes. He said, I want you to shout this message. If Jesus told the prophets to shout to Israel, how many know Jesus wasn't stepping up in the synagogue going, today we're going to talk about it. He wasn't monotone. In fact, the Bible says in Mark 1, they marveled at his authority. He had power. He had authority. The one that was life came to earth. And when he spoke, dead men came back to life. There was something about spiritual authority when Jesus spoke. Some people have told me, Isaiah, when you preach, uh, two hours feels like 10 minutes. I believe it's part of the spiritual authority and the anointing, which we're going to talk about later, how the anointing works in deliverance. It's the spiritual authority and it's the anointing that Jesus had when he began to preach. Immediately as he's preaching, this is the beginning of his ministry, immediately as he's preaching in the synagogue, he's not preaching on the street, he's preaching to the church, the Bible says people begin to manifest. This is Jesus' first deliverance and one of his first services after being anointed. Okay, it was a man not from outside the church. Now you say, well, maybe the man just stumbled into the church and got delivered. No, no, no. The man was not some random person off the street. He was a devout follower. As with this man is extremely common today for devout followers or passionate Christians, devout followers or passionate Christians to need deliverance. You don't need to go outside the church to find those that need deliverance. Deliverance, people that need deliverance are filling our churches. I could literally do deliverance until Jesus comes back and never go outside the church because the people in our church are the ones that need deliverance. Jesus, the Bible says, immediately begin to cast the demon out of the man in public. Jesus did not bring him into a back room. Jesus did not stop the deliverance. Jesus begins to do deliverance on the man in public. You have to understand this. Now I've done countless teachings on can Christians have demons, okay? I've given it to you every single way. I've given you the children's bread. I've given you all the New Testament. I, if you've listened to all my teachings of Christians having demons and you still don't believe, you don't believe the Bible, but I want to read an excerpt that I found online about Christians having demons that is incredibly powerful, and then I'm going to move on because I can't spend 40 minutes doing Christians having demons every single time we stream because that's what you guys want to keep asking, but let me just read the excerpt I found from someone who's a Greek scholar. He said, much un misunderstanding has resulted from the King James Version tr having translated the word daemonizoma 
as possessed with devils. So what he's saying is when they translated the King James, they translated it wrong. He said a more accurate translation of the word, which is when someone has a demon, is to be under the power of a demon. So the, the, this guy's a Greek scholar and he's saying the, the word is not possessed by devils. When you see somebody has a demon, which this guy in Mark 1 did, he said the actual translation in the Greek is to be under the power of a demon. Oftentimes people say, well, how could a Christian be possessed if they have the Holy Ghost? It has nothing to do with possession. It's to be under the power of a demon. Then he says this, there's a vast difference between being possessed or owned by demons and having demons the webster calls possessed in reference to demons being affected by invisible agents or by demons the proper question is not can a christian be demon possessed but rather can a christian have a demon or be under the power of demons and this is what he says i'm almost done here an honest assessment of new testament teaching must bring us to the conclusion that the new testament makes no distinction distinction between the two Therefore, if the New Testament does not distinct a difference between being possessed or being demonized, we should not make a distinction. The obvious conclusion is that both unbelievers and believers can be demonized. How can we understand the demonization of a Christian? He says the question is actually simple. Can property owned by one person be trespassed on by another person? Suppose a land or landowner has a wooded piece of property that he offers squirrel hunting on his property. A trespasser might come in and begin to shoot at the squirrels, but he can also be put off the property because he has no legal right to be there. This is exactly what happens when a demon dwells inside a Christian. The evil spirit does not have ownership or have rights to ownership. Therefore, when the evil spirit is commanded to go, the owner owner or the delegated authority of the evil spirit has to go. Trespassers can be evicted. Deliverance for Christian represents the eviction of trespassing spirits. Okay. Jesus makes it clear. Now Jesus backs up everything this Greek scholar says because Jesus tells us that a freshly delivered person is like a person whose tenants just got evicted. So Jesus says in Matthew 12, when a demon leaves a person, so Jesus is describing a freshly delivered person. How does Jesus describe a freshly delivered person? He says, when a demon leaves, he comes back to see that the house is swept and in order, but not full. When the darkness leaves you, you need something to replace it with. This is what Jesus was saying. When a demon leaves a person, it's like a tenant getting evicted and the person leaves a spiritual vacuum that if it's not filled with me, with Jesus, the demons will come back worse. Now, this is one of, in my opinion, the best pictures of deliverance for a believer because think about this, the world cannot fill their spiritual house with Jesus, only believers can. So Jesus says a demon comes out, it's like a person getting kicked out of a house and if he doesn't fill his house with Jesus after, fill his house with worship, fill his house with prayer, fill his house with fasting, the demons come back worse. Now let's pretend that Christian deliverance wasn't for the church. How could a worldly person fill their house with Jesus if they don't know Jesus or serve Jesus? It's completely illogical. So this is further proof that deliverance is for believers. So you have to understand your soul, this is what Jesus says, is it, and this is not what we're teaching tonight, we'll do another video on this, is a spiritual house with many rooms, and the question we have to ask ourselves tonight, are, are the rooms of our spiritual house, this is not Isaiah preaching, teaching, this is Jesus telling us this, is our spiritual house, the rooms of our spiritual house, filled with demons and filled with Jesus? Now, many of us will have prayer in one room and pornography in the next room. We'll have worship in one room, and we'll have 
uh, cussing in the other room and we wonder why we're exhausted and we're constantly having conflict because we are at war in our own house. Now, has anybody ever lived in a house where the family's constantly arguing? Now, some of you, that is your house. Okay, I know a family in particular where every time you go over there, everybody's arguing. There's constant tension. There's constant bickering. One of the siblings is always fighting with the other siblings. The dad's always fighting with the son. The son's fighting with the mom. Everybody is always fighting and it's exhausting. Has anybody type one if you've been in a house like that? When you're in their house, you, me and my wife would leave it. Man, we're so tired. Now I know multiple people like this. You're all trying to guess who I'm talking about. And you're just physically tired. You're like, why am I exhausted? Because there's conflict in the house. Here's what happens when you fill rooms of your house with Jesus. And we're talking about your spiritual house and rooms of your house with the enemy. Everything's always at conflict and you're always exhausted because you have two kingdoms living in the same house at war. Jesus says it's a spiritual house and you need to evict every demon from every room and fill every room with Jesus. I've done deliverance before and the demons literally told me the names of other spirits. I remember one time I said, I don't want to talk to this spirit. I want to talk to this spirit. And the demon said, hold on, that spirit's in the other room. And I said, what? I remember one time I was doing deliverance and I started saying, I command you to find any other demons in any rooms of the house. And the demon said, how did you know that we live inside of a house? That's what the demon spoke back to me. And I said, the reason I know is because Jesus said demons live in houses. The houses being believers. So you need to know that you are a spiritual house that is either full, your rooms are either completely full of Jesus or there's demons there. Demons, I've already talked about this, so I'm not going into this, are renters. Demons rent you. They don't own you. Jesus owns you. And renters oftentimes don't take care of the house that they live in. Okay, so number one, write it down. Jesus's ministry begins, not his deliverance ministry. His entire ministry begins with casting out demons. Number two, write this down. Demons oftentimes, this is gonna be a long one. Demons oftentimes will speak out of people. This is good, type one and share the stream. Demons oftentimes will speak out of people. That's number two. And at the very end, you guys always ask me to do it and I never do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna paste out all seven of these secrets uh, to Jesus's deliverance ministry at the very end of the broadcast. So you don't have to worry. I'm going to post them all at the end and some, some of you will be spamming my note throughout. So number two is demons often speak through people. We're only talking about Jesus's deliverance ministry. In Mark 1.23, the start of his ministry, it tells us demons speak out of people. The Bible says, and, the, and it said, or and he said, which is the demon, referring to the demon and cried out of the man. So the demon began to cry out the man. Now demons oftentimes, this is all scriptural, will cry out of people as the man in, one, uh, in Mark one twenty three. Demons oftentimes will cry to people. It's very common for demons to reveal themselves by using the person's mouth to do so. So when you're praying, oftentimes the person will shake their head no. That's the demon shaking their head. Or the person will say stop it. Or the person will start crying. That's the demon crying, not the person crying. You need to know this when you're doing deliverance and the person begins to cry out that it's not the person, it's the demon. You have to be relentless when you're casting out demons, giving the demons no time to rest or no breaks. Now, the reason why demons will cry or screech out is because they want you to stop. They want you to feel bad, but understand that anointed preaching flushes demons out. Jesus began to flush these demons out by his anointed preaching. What started the manifestation? What started the manifestation was Jesus's anointing preaching and the demons began to cry out. I've had times where I'm doing deliverance and I've almost felt bad because the person was crying so intensely and the Holy Spirit would tell me, don't stop. 
When you're, I'm going to talk about this later. When you're doing deliverance, you need to keep the devil pinned on his back. And the Holy Spirit told me, don't stop. It's not the person crying, Isaiah. It's the demon. I remember one lady we did deliverance on. She cried the entire time. After her deliverance, I said, Do you, did you realize you were crying the whole time? She said, I wasn't crying. I said, you were crying the entire hour we did deliverance on you. But understand, it wasn't her crying. It was the demons crying out of her. So when you're doing deliverance, don't let crying stop you. Don't give them a rest because oftentimes they'll cry out of people for you to give them a rest, but you need to be aggressive when it comes to deliverance. One incredible thing that we learn in the story of Mark 1 is that demons want nothing to do with Jesus. The Bible says the demons spoke out of the man and said, we have nothing in common. They don't want to confront you or Jesus. They know that if they meet a Christian who knows their authority, they'll get evicted. So you need to know that oftentimes demons demonized people will hate you i've lost track of how many people that i was talking to that wanted deliverance said in my head something hates you in my head i was doing deliverance one time i had first gotten saved and we were in a shop we were actually at a house with a bunch of people and the person started manifesting and so we took them me and like three other people took them to the back shop of the house where her dad had a workshop and she told me as she's manifesting the demons are telling me to grab an axe and swing it at you she's telling me that so i understood the demons hate me i've had time and time again where the person says the demons telling me to punch you the demons telling me to kill you the demon doesn't like you demons do not want to confront you because you remind them of jesus and jesus has power over demons so you have to know that when somebody has a demon it's not that they hate you or they're mad at you but it's the demon on the inside of the person i've often told people well do you not like me like at the end of a meeting they'll come up for prayer and they'll say man i just hate you for some reason i always ask them well do you not like me and they go no i love you i watch all your teachings i watch all your preachings i have all your flash drives i have all your merch and they're just like full on love the ministry they say but right now i just hate you i don't know why i just want to punch you i've had this i've had this a hundred times and i always say you have to understand it's not you that hates me it's the demon so when you're going to do deliverance don't be mistaken when somebody cries don't me don't be mistaken when somebody's mad at you now I want to speak about something very important here we're still on number two Jesus oftentimes told demons to be silent now in Matthew 8 Jesus tells a demon not to speak which shows us we can get demons to stop speaking if we want to but more than that Jesus oftentimes told the demons to stop speaking because he didn't want them to reveal his identity. Sadly, and this will preach right here, sadly, demons understood who Jesus was before religious people understood who demon Jesus was. The demons would say, you are the son of God before the religious people even knew he was son of the son of God. And it's sad to me how demons are more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than the average Christian. When demon-possessed people came to Jesus, they ran and got on their knees. And the church, we rarely run and we rarely get on our knees. So Jesus would tell them to stop speaking because he didn't want them to reveal who he was before it was time. So don't think like we shouldn't talk to demons because Jesus did it. Now, on the flip side, I oftentimes tell demons to stop speaking if they're rambling or distracting people. Now, I want to give you some reasons why this might be the most practical and important part of the entire video, but I want to give you some reasons why you should not have extended conversations. I'm trying to go quick because I'm taking just way too long tonight, but why you should not have extended conversations with demons. I want you to write these down. We're still on secret number two, but I'm going to give you five reasons, okay? So we're still on number two of the seven secrets, but here's five reasons very quickly why you should not have extended conversations with demons. And I'm going to actually, we have 840 viewers. I don't know why yours says 666. Okay. I'm going to tell you why someone said you have 666 viewers, but mine says 840. Praise the Lord. Share the stream. 
Five reasons. Get ready to write these down. Reason number one why you should not have extended conversations with demons, you guessed it, is because demons are liars. You need to understand this. The devil is the father of lies. The devil's native tongue is lying. And when demons speak to us, they're not trying to help us out, but they're trying to confuse us and they're trying to ensnare us. Oftentimes, what I'll do during deliverance when speaking to a demon is I will say, you must be honest before Jehovah God. And that oftentimes works, but sometimes that doesn't work ultimately i want you to write this down ultimately you cannot rely on the information demons give you you can only rely on the holy spirit and i'm going to keep telling you this over and over and over again in this teaching that you have to rely on the holy spirit this is a huge huge pitfall for new deliverers for new deliverance ministries is that every time they get in deliverance they get intrigued and fascinated now listen very closely I have gotten caught up. The reason why I'm giving you these five reasons is because I have gotten so caught up doing this in my early days of deliverance ministry where I would spend hours talking to demons and trying to get them out and one would, and they were just distracting me, okay? So number one, they're liars and you have to understand that when I do deliverance, every word the demon says, I ask the Holy Spirit in my spirit, was that truthful or not? And I don't ever rely on demons speaking truth. Oftentimes the Spirit of God will say, yes, that was truthful. Now it is possible for demons to tell the truth but just know they don't like to do it. You really have to pressure them and interrogate them. So understand everything a demon says, you need to say, Holy Spirit, was that true? And rely on the Holy Spirit. That's number one, demons are liars. Number two, we have access to all the truth by the power of the Holy Spirit. Any, any supposed information a demon can give you can be gotten from the Holy Spirit who never lies. So if there's any information you think that the demon's gonna be able to give you that somehow the Holy Spirit can't give you, you need to know that the Holy Spirit has all the information that you need and you must rely on the Spirit. Sometimes when I go in deliverance, I'll pray before and ask the Holy Spirit for strategy, download, and wisdom. And sometimes the Spirit will give me the name of every single demon. So I don't even need to ask the demon, talk to the demon. I already know all the names before I even get into it. So sometimes you need to pray. Um, every time you need to pray, but sometimes God will just download it. Now, if you've done my teachings, you know, I always have one person in the deliverance that is praying the entire time for download and for wisdom and for revelation and for the working of the gifts of the spirit. Later on, I'm going to talk a little bit about the working of the gifts of the spirit in deliverance ministry. And I already know this is going to turn into like a three-part thing because I'm, I'm just, I have too much, too much, too much, too much. I'm going to give you everything I have all seven tonight, but I'm going to have to do some more on this. But you have to understand we have access to all truth. And so you need to rely on that. Number three, depending on demons for information discourages the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12 do earnestly desire spiritual gifts or one translation this is my favorite translation it says seek after the supernatural abilities that the Spirit gives out to people so Paul says this don't sit around waiting for the gifts to come to you, but you need to seek out. Be like that kid that wants that thing on Christmas, and you need to seek out the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or one translation says, the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit. So when we're getting all of our info from demons, this is why we don't talk to them extended, remember, when we get all of our information from demons, we don't need to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we're discouraging the use of the gifts. 
Oftentimes, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are used in deliverance and grown in deliverance. Remember, the only way to grow muscle is to exercise it. The only way to grow spiritual gifts is to exercise them. Deliverance is a great opportunity to exercise spiritual gifts. When you rely on demons to give you all the information, you no longer rely on the gifts of the Spirit, and thus the Spirit's gifts can't be exercised. Um, If you ask what number three was, number three is depending on demons for information discourages the use of the gifts. So number three is depending on demons for information discourages the use of the gifts. So you really want, if you really want to go to that next level of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you need to stop relying on demons. Gifts that are often used in deliverance, I want you to write this down. These are some gifts that are often used in deliverance are the word of knowledge gift. These are gifts I use in deliverance and many people use in deliverance. The word of knowledge gift, the word of wisdom gift, the gift of faith and the distinguishing of spirits. Those are the four main gifts used in deliverance. If you're very serious, what you should be about doing deliverance, those are the four that you should be praying about, you should be seeking, you, sh- you should be desiring, and you should be asking God for. Okay, that's number three. Number four is relying on demons. Oh, this is so good. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me this tonight. Relying on demons for information will allow them to direct the deliverance. We must allow the Holy Spirit to direct deliverance, not demons. Demons oftentimes, and I'm only preaching this out of experience. I'm only preaching this because I've fallen into this so many times and I don't want you to fall into it. Demons oftentimes will hijack the deliverance and they'll get you chasing your tail Ultimately, this is the de- this is the demon's goal in the deliverance. Ultimately, obviously, is to not get cast out, but ultimately, their goal is to waste enough time so that you quit before the person gets set free. I've gone down this rabbit hole before, where two hours have passed and I'm still chasing around the same demon. Don't let your battle strategy or your battle plan be determined by a demon. Instead, be determined by the Holy Spirit. So please, please, please do not let the strategy or the direction of the of the deliverance be led. I'll, I'll give you the four gifts later. Be led, or you can watch it on the replay, okay? Well, do not let the, the, the strategy or the battle plan be led by demonic spirits. If you talk too much, deliverance, uh, d- demons will begin to be the conductors and the directors of the deliverance. I've had to change battle plans mid-deliverance. Now, I'm not going to get into the different battle plans I use because that's more in, that's more you know that's more advanced than we're going to do tonight but I've had to change battle plans in the middle of a deliverance when the spirit said that the strategy is not going to work because the demon was too high of a level so he had he had told me Isaiah I need you to change battle plans now if I was taking information from the demons to guide it then I would have let the demon take place of the Holy Spirit when you talk to demons too much you allow demons to take place of the Holy Spirit in the deliverance. And now demons begin to conduct the battle plan, the strategy. And I promise you, and many of you in the chat know exactly what I'm saying. You've gone hours chasing after the same demon because you talk too long to the demon. Point number four, if you're asking again, was relying on demons will allow them to direct the deliverance. So basically, if you rely on demons, they'll start directing the deliverance. Okay, we got to go quick here. Number five, this is the last reason why you shouldn't have extended conversations with demons because it prolongs the deliverance and it's insensitive to the person getting delivered. That is the best one. Point number five of why you shouldn't have extended conversations. And I'm going to tell you how long you should talk to them here in a second. So you're like, well, how long should we talk to them? It prolongs the deliverance and it's insensitive to the person getting delivered. As long as a demon could distract you, he prolongs his eviction notice. 
It's like a tenant that can't pay rent begging for another week to pay rent. This is what happens when we converse too long with demons. If you have renters and they say, just give me one more week to pay, give me one more week to pay, and they keep prolonging, and you say, you know what, I just need to evict you, you're a bad tenant. This is what demons do, and it's insensitive often to the person. Remember, Deliverance is exhausting and confusing for the person getting delivered and oftentimes the person is in physical pain or sore after so so think of it this way if you're sitting there for hours talking to the demon going oh well what was your brother's name and you know what what about that pastor down the road and you're interrogating the demon asking them and conversating and you're spending hours and because demons will tell you some crazy stuff and you're going oh when did you come in the person and you're just going on and on and on and on and on about stuff that's irrelevant to the deliverance then you've already gone too long and you're being insensitive and you're exhausting the person so here's the question that you're all asking i'm glad you asked isaiah how long should i talk now here's the only reason why I talk to demons when I'm stuck or I need a specific piece of information. Those are the only two times that I have conversations with the demons. Now the Bible says Jesus did conversate with demons. So it is okay to talk to them. Just don't have extended amounts of time. So believe me, I've gotten caught up in all five of these. That's what I'm giving you. We speak for confrontation, not conversation. We interrogate. We don't conversate the moment. It begins to move into conversation you've gone too far if you start asking the demons unrelated things that's how you know you've gone too far if you start trying to get information on other people or other things that's how you've gone too far so if you want to know how long you should go as long as you need to go to get the demon out but when you start talking about other things that are irrelevant to the person or the deliverance you know that you've gone too far now oftentimes People say, well, Jesus didn't command the demons to come out more than once. I've had many pastors tell me Jesus said one word and the demons came out. And the Bible says in Matthew 8, Jesus cast out spirits with a word. That's what Matthew 8 says. So pastors have taken that and they said, well, you know, why do we yell in deliverance? Why do we say, come out, come out, come out? If you've ever done deliverance, you know that they don't come out right when you say come out. You have to keep saying it over and over and over and over again. So if Jesus cast out demons with one command, why can't we do that? Well, the answer is this. Jesus didn't cast out demons with one command. It's a widespread error that Jesus only used one word. The actual translation in the Greek, when it says he cast out spirits with word, is actually the Greek word of authority and it actually means to be commanding something so in Mark 8 the man at Gadarene Jesus the Bible says commanded the demon repeatedly so it's a continuous action he was commanding the man so if you go study the Greek I won't get into the Greek for the sake of time but it's the word commanding so Jesus was literally saying this in deliverance come out of him come out of him come out of him come out of him commanding means to keep with authority saying the same thing over and over again so when jesus cast out demons with a word it actually translates to jesus used words and kept saying the same thing commanding he didn't command he was commanding so he kept saying it come out come out now we know the man at gathering which we're not going to talk about tonight jesus the demon didn't come out when jesus had come out he had to keep commanding it so you need to know it's okay to repeat yourself in deliverance jesus did it himself demons are like personalities and oftentimes some demons are more strong-willed than others some kids now if you have kids you know exactly what i'm talking about because some of you have kids that are extremely strong-willed and some of you have 
kids that are not strong-willed remember the actual translation for demons are persons with no bodies that's that is what the bible says a demon is in ephesians 6 paul says we're fighting people that have no body that, that's what a demon is he's a personality if you've done deliverance you know this a personality so some demons are more strong-willed than others you know remember you have to remember deliverance is a wrestling match and some of your kids one of my kids okay i have to say something 20 times before she listens the other kid i have to say it one time demons are the same way some of them are stubborn which is why i did an entire two hours on or an hour and a half on stubborn demons some demons listen right away but you need to remember that deliverance if you're trying to think about deliverance it's a wrestling match and so you need to constantly be putting pressure on the demon until they're defeated the way you win a wrestling match how do you win is by applying constant pressure until you subdue your opponent so repeating commands this is what it does when you're saying come out of him in jesus name come out of him in jesus name come out of him in jesus name by repeating commands you're putting spiritual pressure on the demon so true faith now you're saying well brother if you had real faith all you had to do is say it one time and i've had a, a pastor tell me that and i almost had to do deliverance on him when he told me that but here's what you need to understand true faith is not passive true faith is persistent and it's active faith persists and so when we do deliverance we are persistent we don't stop after five seconds and say okay well the demon didn't come out okay we're gonna go quicker now you've gotten number one and number two secret number three is that and these are gonna be a lot quicker than the last one that was the longest one we had for tonight secret number three get ready to write this down we've already done the five I'm gonna give you all seven at the end but secret number three uh, according to Jesus how he cast out demons was that deliverance will create a reputation so write down number three someone said i'm getting delivered praise the lord deliverance creates reputation and mark 1 28 it says and the report of him went out everywhere into all the region one translation says when jesus cast the demon out his fame spread or here's the translation this is in this is so relevant jesus became famous so some of you say, well, brother, you know, your stuff's really growing now that you're doing deliverance and now that you're preaching on demons, you know, you're gaining more subs and more followers and everything's growing exponentially. If you've been following us for the last four months, you know, the moment we started teaching on deliverance, we started gaining 300 subscribers a day on YouTube. We started gaining thousands of followers on Facebook. We started gaining hundreds of followers a day on Instagram. But you have to understand this is biblical because Mark 1, 28 says, and when the reports went out about deliverance, people everywhere started talking about him jesus became famous his fame spread so deliverance caused jesus to be famous and it's no different today part of that is because it's fascinating but the real reason is so many people desperately need it and so few people are actually teaching on it this is where we are today people are starving to be taught but because we have wimps in the pulpit instead of warriors people are starving this is why when we do deliverance live streams the numbers are so crazy because people are starving to get this they're hungry for this and it's a scriptural principle one thing deliverance ministries don't need is publicity if you're a deliverance minister you don't need to put ads out you don't need publicity because the moment you start doing deliverance people are going to advertise for you people are going to start talking about it it gets overwhelming okay i can say in the last two to three months i've had six to seven times the amount of messages followers and views simply because people are in desperate need of deliverance i want you to make something clear 
I am not doing this for followers and views and I'm not being arrogant. We had followers and views before I started doing this. I've been preaching on deliverance for 10 years. I'm specifically targeting it right now because I'm in a season where the Holy Spirit says, I need you to train at my church because my church is sleeping on the wall. So you have to understand the reason why Jesus trained the 12, then the 72, then all believers was because he could not handle the demand. So number three is deliverance creates a reputation. Number four, oh, this is very good. Deliverance is in the atonement. Deliverance is in the atonement. Matthew 8, 16 says something so interesting. It says they brought him many possessed with demons and he cast out spirits with a word and he healed all that were sick. And I want you to hear this very clear so that he would fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah that said he would take our infirmities and bore our disease. How many of us have preached that Jesus took on our lashes for healing, but you got to see it says they brought him demon-possessed people so that he'd fulfill the prophecy. Deliverance is in the atonement. Right there it shows that deliverance is part of the atonement and that Jesus died so that we could be free. He has rescued us from spiritual death through his suffering, we get deliverance and healing in our body and our soul. So you got to understand there's provision in the cross for more than just eternal life. We always preach eternal life, eternal life, but that is not the only provision of the cross. Healing and deliverance, the Bible says, is part of the provision of the cross. He paid such a high price. So why are we cheapening what he paid a high price for? How do you cheapen deliverance? You say, oh, that's just a side ministry. You say, oh, we don't really need that in our church. You say, oh, that's just Isaiah's ministry. Oh, that's that's just what Isaiah preaches. You're cheapening deliverance when you do that, but you have to understand that the power in the cross was equally there to heal and deliver as it was to give us eternal life. So what if we didn't just preach, oh, Jesus wants to save you so you go to heaven, but equally we preached salvation was healing and deliverance. In my last video, in the curses video, I teach on salvation means to be delivered that's what salvation means and we're preaching salvation and nobody is getting delivered i don't understand it so we need to stop separating it when we're having people come forward and pray a prayer what if we started saying you can get saved healed and delivered right now that's how revival is going to break out the bible does not teach us to believe that god will take away our demons but that we've been given authority over demons so the bible doesn't say if you believe in god all your demons leave but the Bible does say we've been given authority over demons. So just like healing, it doesn't say believe in Jesus and you'll be healed supernaturally. It doesn't say that. It says to lay hands on the sick. The cross must be applied and must be appropriated. The power of deliverance and healing is not does not work unless somebody applies it and appropriates it. You can have the power all you want, but if you don't appropriate the blood, if you don't appropriate, that's why when he was in, in, in uh, Egypt, he said, you need to apply the blood to the doorpost. If you have the blood, now you say, well, I have blood. I don't need to apply it. Uh, having it doesn't help. Having the power doesn't help. You actually need to apply it. So number four was deliverance is in the atonement. Okay, secret number five is that Jesus has called you to train others when it comes to deliverance. Jesus called you. He's anointed you to train others. This is often overlooked that Jesus trained others and he's appointed uh, us to train others in the area of deliverance. The entire time with the five, he was training them. Jesus' entire ministry was revolved around him training followers to do the work of his ministry. You've been anointed, you've been called. You are not fulfilling the call of God in your life if you're not training other people. The writer of Hebrew says that you're spiritually dull, 
You don't seem to listen. You've been a believer for so long. By now, you ought to be a teacher. The writer of Hebrews was not saying you need to be on staff being a teacher in the church. He was saying you're at the point where you've heard so much preaching from Isaiah. You should be at the place where you're teaching other people. Nothing. This is this is over and over and over. We learn about the same thing. And God says, when are you going to start teaching people? When are you going to start sharing? This, this is what I'm asking you tonight. When are you going to take what I'm teaching you? pouring out my life, pouring out my heart. I'm giving you guys, leaving it all in the field, giving you 100%. I have nothing left. When I get done, I have no voice. I'm, I'm going as hard as I can, studying as long as I can, giving you to you for over an hour. I'm live three times a week for more training, more training, more training, more training. But the Lord says, when are you going to be teaching other people? Second Timothy 2.2, 2, it says, you've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these things to other trustworthy people who are able to pass them on to others. Paul says, listen, I've taught you things that people are saying is reliable. I'm reliable. He says, now you need to start teaching this. Come on, share this. You need to start teaching this to other trustworthy people who are able to pass it on to others god has called you to pass this on you've been entrusted when you're hearing me preaching you've been entrusted with this and god is saying pass it on so number five as jesus called us to train others number six number six religious people will persecute you when you start doing deliverance okay let me say that one more time for those of you that are sitting in the back Religious people will persecute you when you start doing deliverance. Matthew 12, 22, the Bible says they brought Jesus, a man who had been blind and dumb because of a demon. And the Bible says the multitudes were amazed and said, this might be the son of David. While the religious people begin to say, this man cast out demons by the spirit of the prince of the demons, who was Beelzebub. And so now they're telling Jesus that deliverance is a work of Satan. So you have to know when deliverance breaks out, multiple reactions will happen. You have multiple different reactions. One group will say, this is of God and this is true. The religious group will say, this man's of the devil. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Come on, share this. The world has no problem with deliverance, yet the church is the one that hates deliverance. Religion is the one that hates deliverance, and the world loves deliverance. They want to be free. It's always the crusty, dusty religious Sadducees and Pharisees that try to shut down religion. The Pharisees told him he was of the devil because he was casting out devils. Jesus basically says... If a kingdom, a kingdom divided will not stand, if Satan is casting out Satan, Satan's kingdom can't stand. So Jesus is revealing that in deliverance, two kingdoms are at war against each other. So you have to think of deliverance as kingdoms at war. It's not, now when you think of deliverance, it's not you versus a demon. That's not how we think of deliverance. It's you, the kingdom of God, versus the kingdom of darkness. It's much bigger than just you and a demon. It's two entire kingdoms going at war against each other now the man was dead and deaf and mute because of a demon how often do we write this off and say oh the man was just born deaf the man was just born mute but jesus identified that the deafness and the muteness of the man was from a demon jesus identified this was demonic in nature religion is superficial jesus is supernatural remember religion always deals with the natural the bible says uh, what bible says false prophets use superficial remedies to try to heal mortal wounds in other words pastors say 
Well, just take medication. Come on, share this right now. Everyone hit share. Just get counseling. Just do natural things. But you got to understand natural remedies can't break supernatural bondages. If the problem is, is, is spiritual, it must be dealt with spiritually. So here we see two kingdoms. One kingdom put this man in bondage. The other kingdom collided and set this man free. The kingdoms are 100% opposite in every single fashion. One crowd said the son of David. The religious crowd said the son of the devil. But usually I've come to find the world has no problem, as I said, with deliverance. But you need to know that when you start doing deliverance, you're going to be persecuted by your friends. Oh, let me say this loud and clear. You're going to be persecuted by your friends, by your family, and by your pastors that are not spiritual. Those are the three main people that are going to persecute you. So I'm telling you that because they did it to Jesus, they're gonna do it to you, and you need not be shocked when people start coming against you. When you deny deliverance, now there's something incredible, we're gonna talk about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit in a minute, but you have to understand when you deny deliverance, when you preach against deliverance, when you persecute those that are doing deliverances, you cut yourself off from the benefits of deliverance. You can't be free if you don't believe in freedom. The saddest part about religious people and them talking bad about deliverance is they cut themselves off from the benefits of deliverance. People that talk bad about deliverance cannot be delivered. Now, Jesus says this. This is his response. This is very interesting to the Pharisees. Remember, we're talking about Jesus casting out demons. His response was, if I, by the spirit of God, cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God. Now, I want you to write this down. The kingdom of God is established on the earth by the removal of Satan's kingdom. That's how the kingdom of God is established. If you want to know practically, how do I, if I'm a kingdom ambassador, if I'm a kingdom carrier, how do I establish the kingdom of God on the earth? The way the kingdom of God is established, according to Jesus, on the earth is by removing Satan's kingdom. That is how you establish God's kingdom. The blind man in Matthew 12 being healed was God's kingdom being established on the earth by delivering this man, Jesus was weakening Satan's kingdom in whole. Every deliverance you do, you are weakening Satan's kingdom in whole. So if you look at the totality, the global kingdom of Satan, okay, Satan being the lowercase god of the world, when you do one deliverance, okay, you're in the middle of nowhere doing one deliverance, you are weakening the entire global satanic structure at large doing one deliverance. So by Jesus doing this in Matthew 12, he's weakening Satan's kingdom. Jesus said, if I, by the spirit of God, in Luke 11, he says, if I, by the finger of God, cast a demon out. So Jesus shows us this, the finger of God and the spirit of God are the same thing. Now, where did Jesus get this language? When Jesus said, by the finger of God, where did he get this? He got this from Exodus 8, 19. Remember when Moses and Aaron are dealing with Pharaoh's magicians. The magicians were trying to keep up with Moses, remember this, and they're performing witchcraft and magic, and they get to a place where they can't keep up with Moses and Aaron, so they finally confess and say, we're weaker than you. And here's what the magicians say. They say, we're weaker. This is the finger of God doing these things. So that's what they said. Now, remember, Jesus is talking to religious people that know the story in Exodus, that studied Exodus, and that know about the finger of God because the magician said, 
the finger of God must be doing these supernatural signs and wonders. So the reason why Jesus told the Pharisees, if I cast out a demon, it's by the finger of God, is now they remember back to, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. They remember back to Exodus and they understand that the supernatural working of God is the finger of God. And they realize that Jesus is using the spirit of God to perform signs and wonders and miracles. The finger of God will always prevail against the arm of the enemy. I want you to know this. The devil could launch out all of his attacks, all of his forces. The devil could take every demon in his kingdom, which we have another video on our YouTube channel of the devil's kingdom, and launch every single one out at you at one time. And all God needs is one finger by the finger of God. And I'm telling you, I speak over you right now that the finger of God is going to prevail over you. I speak over you that the finger of God is coming upon you right now. I feel the finger of God up in my office. The finger of God is over your marriage, over your kids, over your family. Somebody needs to speak that the finger of God is bringing healing right now, is bringing breakthrough right now, is bringing deliverance right now. The finger of God is breakthrough. Now, Jesus will go on to talk about binding the strong man. I will not go into it because I already did a video on binding the strong man once again on YouTube. But you need to realize one thing that Jesus says in Matthew 12 when confronting people that call them the devil. Matthew 12 is one of the most important chapters in the gospel because of this. Jesus makes it clear that there's no room, no sideline deliverers. There's no one allowed to be on the sidelines in his kingdom. There's no middle ground because here's what Jesus tells them concerning deliverance. He says, if you're not for me, you are against me. So those that are not involved in spiritual warfare by default are allies of Satan. Oh, did I just say that? I said, those that are not involved in spiritual warfare by default are allies of the satanic kingdom. Those who oppose spiritual warfare say it's not real, say Christians can't be demonized, label it as this, label it as that, keep people in bondage, are allies of Satan. People are blind to the fact that they're serving Satan because they don't realize if you're not for him, you are against him. So there's not a middle ground. Isaiah, is there like a stands where I could go sit up in the stands and watch you and everybody do deliverance and just kind of hang out up there? Well, Jesus said, if you're not working for me, you're working against me considering deliverance. Here, I want you to pay very close attention here because many people have gotten this wrong. Jesus is defending himself when it comes to deliverance. And now Jesus is going to begin to talk about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I want you guys to stay very close attention. Many of you have asked me, what's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell you right now what I believe the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. I don't know how. I've never heard anyone talk about this. It's so overlooked. You have to look at the context. When Jesus talked about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, he was directly responding to them saying, he's using the spirit of the devil to cast out demons. So most people preach this out of context, but I'm going to give you context. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when... You attribute the work of the Holy Spirit to the work of Satan. Jesus said in John 10, if I do the work of my father, don't believe me, but believe the miraculous works I do and know the father's in me and I am in the father. So Jesus said, believe the miraculous works. That's proof I am of the father. So you need to know deliverance proves we're serving the true living God. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when somebody says that the work of the spirit is the work of the devil. Remember, they accused Jesus of when he cast out demons of being of the devil and Jesus stops and says, that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when you say that's the devil, deliverance is demonic and that's not of God. And Jesus says, that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and that cannot be forgiven. 
So right there, I'll do, I'll do another day, another video, an extended teaching on that for the sake of time. That is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're on our seventh one, and we're on our last one, and then we're going to pray some prayers. We're going to read the donations, and I'm going to give you all seven points at the very end. If you missed any, I'm going to give you those at the end. Number seven, the seventh secret to how Jesus cast out demons in the gospel was that Jesus sent the disciples with power over demons. Jesus gave the disciples power over demons when he sent them. So the Bible says in Matthew 10, he called them unto himself and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. Jesus had already called them. I want you to stay with me to be apostles. But now he says, I'm, I've already called you to be disciples and apostles. He says, but now I'm calling you into a specialized ministry and I'm going to give you authority. I want to say this clearly. You have to live your life open to whatever God wants to put on you. We should not compare ourselves to what other people are called to do, but realize what God is calling us to do. God in the last few months, as I've said over and over again, has called me to train you in deliverance. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter if a pastor says you shouldn't preach it, Isaiah. It doesn't matter if a person says you shouldn't talk so much about deliverance. I didn't get called by a pastor or leader it was the spirit. It was God that called me. The disciples were called by Jesus in Matthew 10. Jesus called them and gave them the assignment to cast out demons. Now, Luke 9, 7 says he gave them power and authority over demons. Power and authority are two separate things in deliverance, but they work together. Authority is exousius in the Greek, and it means the, it's basically the ability to speak to demons and they have to listen simply because you're an extension of Jesus' authority. Jesus has given us, the Bible says, all authority in heaven and on earth. So that means in the natural realm, which is on earth, and the heavenly realms, which is a spiritual. Jesus says, I've given you authority, which is exousia. And he says, and I've also given you power. So you have to understand the power is the dunamis, and it basically means power in action. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to bring forth miracles. Acts 1.8, what does the Bible say we will receive when we receive the Holy Spirit? It says, and we will receive power to become witnesses. So the power is a function of the Holy Spirit that works in deliverance. Jesus used the power of the Spirit in deliverance. Acts 19 talks about special miracles being done by Paul using the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to write this down. Authority is constant. Write this down. Authority is constant, but power can be increased, okay? So you cannot, in authority, you've been given authority. Mark 16, all believers now have authority. If you're listening, you have authority over demonic powers. Now the power of God can be increased. Now, the way you increase the power of God is by prayer and fasting. That's how you increase the power. When the disciples couldn't cast out a certain demon, what did Jesus say? This type of demon only comes out by prayer and fasting. In other words, this only comes out by the anointing. Prayer and fasting would increase the power in your life. Jesus had a level of power that the disciples did not have. So you need to understand that the disciples had power and authority. Jesus had a higher level of power. And Luke 4, we know Jesus said, I was anointed to deliver people. So there's levels of power and anointing, just like there's levels of the demonic. There's levels of power and there's levels of authority. And tonight, God has given us power and given us authority. And there's some high, higher level demons I've dealt with that are harder to get out. And that's where you have to use the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Remember, 
The anointing is not constant. The anointing fluctuates. The anointing changes. Oftentimes you feel like, man, there's a stronger anointing. Have you heard people say it? There's a lesser anointing. If you've ever flowed in the anointing, you know that the anointing fluctuates. To increase the anointing, we do that by prayer and fasting. The Bible makes it clear. Jesus said, I was anointed. Jesus said, these things only come by. We know the anointing breaks the yoke, but they only come by more prayer and by more fasting. And so right now, I believe there's an anointing by the power of the Holy Spirit to release people out of bond and to bring breakthrough, okay? I'm gonna pray. I believe that God wants to send us into deliverance. I'm definitely gonna do more. I've done it. I'm in an hour and 40 minutes in deep right now. I'm gonna have to do at some point a part two, a part three, because there's so much more. I literally, I, I literally spoke on one small area of Jesus's deliverance ministry, but there's much more that Jesus wants to teach us in deliverance. We're going to pray. I'm gonna post the seven points. We're gonna read through donations and we're gonna see breakthrough right now in this place. Father, I ask you, in the name of Jesus, that you would release your fire, that you would release your power. Come on, receive this right now. Father, I pray over every single person listening that in the name of Jesus, you would release breakthrough over them. God, you have anointed us. You have called us. You have equipped us for this end time ministry of deliverance. And Father, right now, I pray authority over them. I pray power over them. I pray the gifts of the Holy Spirit would begin to be released over them. I thank you, Lord, that it is your spirit that brings us into demonic confrontation. It is your spirit that leads us into the deliverance. It is your spirit that guides us. We don't we're not led by demons we're led by the holy spirit and father i pray that every word that was spoken tonight that it would not fall on bad ground it would not fall on thorny ground but i pray by the power and the anointing of the holy spirit it would fall on good ground i pray holy spirit that you release breakthrough right now. I pray that you would shatter demonic contracts. I pray you would shatter demonic assignments. I loose right now the angels of the Lord to take charge over you. Father, I thank you that you've given us power and you've given us uh, ministering spirits, your word says. So Father, I pray over every person in the chat that you would loose legions of angels, legions of ministering spirits. And Father, you would begin to bind up every demonic power. You'd begin to come on, I feel the spirit moving. Bind up every demonic force. Break every generational curse. God, I pray that you would raise up warriors, uh, that we would no longer be wimps in the spirit, but we would be warriors in the spirit. That God, anywhere we step foot, we would take ground in Jesus' name. Father, we ask right now for a fresh anointing. Some of you just need to turn in your pacifier and say, Lord, I don't want this anymore. I want a sword. Father, tonight we trade our pacifiers for swords and we activate by our speech the sword of the spirit and the power of the spirit. We thank you, Lord, that right now, I hear the Lord saying, I'm gonna baptize a fresh, fresh fire, fresh anointing. I speak the fire of God over the enemy's camp. I speak the fire of God over your mind, over your life, over your spirit. And I just pray for a fresh fire. I pray for a fresh anointing right now. Everyone in the chat listening, I speak the baptism of the fire of God over you. I speak the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit over you. I speak fresh anointing. I speak fresh authority. I speak fresh fire right now. Thank you, Father, for your baptism. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your Holy Spirit power. Thank you that it is by your power and by your spirit. And thank you, Jesus, that deliverance is in the atonement. And you've called us and you've anointed all of us to bring deliverance to the hurting and the broken. And I speak over you that you will be raised up, that God will teach you, God will train you, that your hands were made for warfare, your hands were built for battle, and that God is going to use you in these last days, that God is going to strip a new hunger and a new desire. In Jesus' name, we just thank you, Father, for breakthrough, for deliverance. Come on. Thank you, Lord. 
Oh man, guys, I'm telling you, tonight has been amazing. We are an hour and 42 minutes in. What a powerful night that we've had. I'm going to pin the seven secrets. If you're just jumping in now and you guys can go ahead and sew, the links are on screen, the links are in the comments. As we say, don't dine and dash, praise the Lord. And don't make me whoop out some verses on you about Paul preaching on giving, okay? So you're like, oh my gosh, is it, is it about money? You don't, you obviously don't know the scripture. Paul said, if I teach you spiritual things, I should be reaping physical things. So thank you all of you. I don't have to beg you. I don't have to take a long offering. I appreciate all of you that are sowing, that are giving. I'm going to post now the seven secrets to Jesus's deliverance ministry. Okay, we're going to post these here, right here. Give me one second. We're posting these in the chat. Get ready to save those. There we go. All seven of them have been posted due to popular request. They're right there. Don't miss them. They're going fast. Lots of comments coming through, but you can see it there right there. I have Zell. My Zell is on screen. Isaiah Luke Saldivar, Yahoo.com. My Venmo is at Isaiah Saldivar. My PayPal is the first link. Hello, Michelle Sinclair. Thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate you. Love your family. Uh, the, sorry, I just saw her in the chat and I had to say something there. My, uh, and I'm going to talk here for a minute to you guys if you guys want to hang out and chat. My PayPal link is right there in the top, pinned in the comments. You can do monthly partnership. You can give one time on the website. It's all very easy. Or you can go to paypal.com. You can go to paypal.me slash Isaiah Saldivar. So let me type that out. Paypal.me slash Isaiah Saldivar. That's a very easy way to do it too. So we're trying to make it as easy as we can for all of you. My Venmo is at Isaiah Saldivar. Thank you to all of you from YouTube. Guys, I'm telling you the YouTube. Oh, and I'm still recording. Welcome from YouTube. See you guys later. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.